this week, there were two international conferences taking place in the world. Okay. One in Glasgow, Scotland. It was about global, cha- uh, global climate warming, change. climate change. And, they were, and another one was of the Chabad rabbis from all over the world in New York and in New Jersey. The banquet was actually in New Jersey. 4,000 Chabad rabbis came together. In, one, in the conference in Glasgow, they were busy trying to figure out how we reduce the global warming, how we make, it, how we make the world, the universe, cooler, not other. In the Chabad conference, we were busy to find out how we make the world warmer, how we bring some spiritual warmth to people, to Jewish people. As, my, as the Rebbe once told my brother before he went to Alaska, make sure you warm the, play, you warm the place up. Then it's two comforts, but just that with the opposite goals. Right. But this is physical, this is spiritual. One of the most, one of the stories that catched everybody's attention was one amazing story. Yeah, usually it's like, I heard it before. Mm-hmm. It was a young man, I mean a rabbi, his name is Rabbi Zaklas, Schneer Zaklas, Schneer Zaman Zaklas. And he told an interesting story. He said one years ago, he was dating, to get married, a young man. And he was, uh, he told his wife, I want to be a Chabad rabbi. I'm going, I'm, I'm going to go somewhere in the world. Are you ready for it? He says, I'll go, with, I'll go after you anywhere you want. But, but one place not, Russia. I don't want to go to Russia, fine. They got married. They started to look for a place. It's like you're looking for a job opportunity. Mm-hmm. Somebody told him, maybe you should meet with the head of Chabad in Russia. He's the chief rabbi of, of Russia. Russia also, and talk to him, maybe he can help you. He said, you know what, I have nothing to lose, I'll meet you then. They meet, he tells them, I have for you a great city, the third, the third most largest city in Russia, after Moscow and St. Petersburg. Mm-hmm. It's a capital city of this, of this state, of this part of, the, of, of, of Russia. It's the, it's the capital city in Siberia, Novosibirsk, it's called. He tells him, no, that's not for me. It's too cold, it's too far, it's crazy. My wife will never want to do this. I just, I just no, thank, thank you, but no, thank you. No, that's not for me. He tells him, listen, go. I'll pay your tickets, you and your wife. Go visit and then say the no. Go see. What do you have to lose? I, I'm giving you a trip to, to Siberia. Okay, a trip to Siberia for free, what's so bad? You go. They went for Purim. Mm-hmm. They wanted to organize the Purim. They told them, you organize a Purim event there, there is nobody there, there is some Jews there. Go do something. He came for Purim. He says, only when they landed in Siberia, they realized how cold it was. Mm-hmm. How bitter cold it was. What is a... Uh, Thirty percent, thirty Celsius, but mi- minus. Like, what is it in uh, in our uh, numbers? So, thirty-two degree Fahrenheit is freezing. Thirty below. Thirty below zero in in nothing. It's Celsius, in nothing. Celsius. Yeah. I don't. I. I think I, it's like it's like it's a, like, it's, it's like freezing. But, but way below. Way, zero. way below. Right, yeah. Way below zero. 
That's a question. I don't know. I have to check this out. In any case, it was very below Celsius. In any case, he said it was full of white ice. It's like wherever you go, it's like terrible. Yeah. He lands, they take him, somebody picked him up from the airport, or he took a taxi. He wants to see the synagogue, he tells them. They take him to a dilapidated building, broken windows. He goes in, there is homeless living there. The toilet is outside a pit, not a toilet. Shiny already knows what he's doing. You know, he organized Purim, he made a little Purim party event, people, some people came, Jews came. And his wife was with him? Sure, yeah, he's with him. Two days after Purim, he's about to go back. The day after Purim, he goes to Shul. He wanted to dive in there. Yeah. He walks in. Somebody vandalized the Shul. They took, they turned over the tables and the chairs. They took all the prayer books and threw them all over the, the, the floor. They took the Torah and spread it on the floor. The Torah was in the, on the floor. Terrible. It was, it was really, it looked like a pogrom. I mean, it's, not, it's a pogrom, you know, you kill people, but that was a, they vandalized the Oshul and the swastikas, everything. He frantically calls the rabbi Maska, who sent him there, he says, what is going on? They turned over the place. The rabbi Maska tells the story, he says, I heard a frantic phone call like in the middle of the night, he wakes me up. He told them, I know already what to do. I will call the media. The only way to make the government and the officials do something, I will call them, they'll get on the media. Everything will move. You, I want to be wanting, just go there and open the door for them mm-hmm. and show them. He comes an hour later to the, to the synagogue back. There is already television cameras and calls and, uh, and the radio and newspapers, reporters from all sides. He, go, he opens the door, they're like pushing him in. And there is, before he realizes, there is a press conference. Mm-hmm. And he speaks only Hebrew. Then they asked, then was some translator, and there is a video from that. I saw the video, it's unbelievable. Translator asked him, are you the rabbi of the community? Now, in this second, if he says he's not the rabbi of the community, what would them? What's he doing? <laughs> Who are you to talk in the name of the whole community that there is a pogrom and they have to do? Says, yeah, I'm just here for a very short time. I'm the rabbi of the community. We want to build a community, a synagogue, and people should come to pray. And we need that the place should be safe, and the government has to do this. Cannot be. We need a nice building. We cannot do this. And this story went viral. You know, it was the whole Siberia, mm-hmm. Purim, a holiday, a rabbi, a, 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 a vandalizing synagogue, a pogrom. The, all, the, all the ingredients were real. Yeah. It was all over the news. In Israeli news called them and interviewed them, American people from America, from every, all the Jewish agencies. He, came, he comes back to Israel. Everybody congratulated him. Thank you, I, I muzzled over you. You became a Chabad rabbi in Siberia. <laughs> That's the last thing they wanted to do in the world. Yeah. They sit home, a week passes, another week, another week. Once, one day he sits at his wife by the table, he tells her, you know, Everybody knows that we are the Chabad rabbis in, in, in Novosibirsk. The only one who doesn't know that is me and you. <laughs> if it was from Hashem, it's like God put him in his mouth. It's like he didn't want to. And the whole situation was created, and he ended up to go there. Yeah. He took his little girl 
and they moved to, to Siberia. It's cold, it's freezing. But they, it shows now, they showed now what they have now, they're a huge, beautiful synagogue. It's like really amazing in all the institutions, they have events of, you see thousands of people. It's really unbelievable. He just married off his daughter, this baby that he came with her. And he said, under the chope, he was thinking to himself, how he came with this little girl. She was six months old, and he was kind. He came there, and he, he said he came to the build to the rental that he rented. It was the elevator didn't work. The house, his apartment was in the ninth floor. He was sleeping in a freezing cold weather day. But that's what happened. Yeah. He accomplished it. Then the question is, where are the Chabad rabbis taking this commitment to do it, even when Hashem when when Hashem puts them in the situation, even if they don't want? The answer is, is in this week's parsha. It's about Isaac. You see, we, in this week's we read about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the three forefathers of the Jewish people. Abraham's mission in life was hospitality. Mm-hmm. It was nice to people, and he spread the belief of God to them. Jacob's mission in life was establishing the first Jewish family, 12 sons and a daughter and four wives. He was busy. What was Isaac's job? What was Isaac's mission in, in the world? We read in the Torah in this week, Isaac, it was a famine in Israel. He moved to Grar. Grar is also Israel, but a little further between Be'er Sheva and Gaza. Mm-hmm. He goes to Grar. He had problems with the king, but later he started to sow the land, mm-hmm. and, he, and he did very well. He did so well that they started to hate him, the locals. And the king of Graal told them, it's written, they were, they were jealous. Mm-hmm. They were jealous, very common, right? They were so jealous that the king called them and told them, leave us, you became too strong, too powerful. It's not good for us. Just leave, just leave. He left the city. He went to live more outside the city, next to the, to the Krieg of Graal, whatever it's called, it's... It's not like, uh, it's, I was outside of the city, there is a little bit of water. A creek it's called? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah a, creek. a small stream? Yeah, a small yeah. stream, a creek. And then he decided, yes, he needs water. He decided to dig, that was the biggest commodity. Like today, people of want course. to sleep and to buy houses. Yeah. To dig, dig water in the desert, without water, you have nothing. He tells his yet servant, he was a rich man, to dig, to dig a well. No, in the desert, to dig a well, it's like in... in in Las Vegas, you have to use dynamite in, right. the, in the olden like hundreds days. Hundreds of feet, thousands. Yeah, they, they have to know where is, where is the water higher or lower. Even, even in my house in Geauga County, the well is still 90 feet into the ground. 90 feet. Yeah. Even in Cleveland. Right. Then in it, they were digging a well. Guess what? The Palestines came and he told them, This is our property. The well belongs to us. Isaac left, moved a little further away from the city. Dug another well. He digs the other well, takes whatever it takes. I don't know how long it took him to dig a well with the same professionals. He finally finds water. The Palestines come and say, That's our well, my friend. He gives him the other well and he doesn't give up. He goes further away from the city. And he's digging a third well. When came to the third well, they didn't come to, didn't complain. Yeah. He had his water. And actually later, they came and told him, 
please come back. You are very good for the city. Actually, come back. And the first lesson, we, that was Isaac's, that's a whole page, a page and a half in the, in the Bible. What's the story? Why the Torah tells us this story with the well? Let's say that Isaac was digging wells. So, why the Torah, right? The question is not why was he digging well. He lived 180 years. I'm sure he did a million things. The stories that's written about them are four pages. The question is why the Torah chose to write this page about the wells. That's the question. What's the message here? Why I, me and you have to sit today in Solon, Ohio, in 2021, and read about the wells. What is the message? The message number one is, you don't give up. One well didn't work. You dig a second well. A second well didn't work. A third well. You never give up. That's number one. That's number one. And then there is, you know, in Judaism, the, the Talmud says many times that what the forefathers did, we go in the, in the pet. It's, it's, it's symbolically they did for us. They paved the road. The Jewish people built one temple, right? King Solomon built one temple. Came the Chaldeans, mm-hmm. Arab Christians basically, and destroyed it. At, after 410 years, the Babylonians, they were Chaldeans. Right. That was like the one well. They took it away. Mm-hmm. It was a short period of exile, and then the Jewish people built a second temple after 70 years. They built a second temple. This temple was bigger, larger, lived long, stood longer, not 410, 420 years. And then came the Romans and destroyed it. So we're going to give up? No, we are still waiting and building our third temple. And this temple will be forever, will be ours, just like the third well of, 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 of Isaac. This time the Arabs put a nice roof on it. <laughs> Maybe. But the lesson to us, still, okay, that's in a, in a global sense. Right. But you know, I'm not building a temple this minute. I'm building a temple by building every, every Jew. But what's the lesson to us today? In every Jew, there is a well of fresh water. Every Jew is a spring of spirituality. But it's covered with dirt, with sand, with gravel. Sometimes it's a very hard, like in the desert, hard, hard land, hard surface that you have to break it and you need dynamite to break it. Yep. We have to dig the well within ourselves or within any other Jew. You dig once, you find water, you get all excited. He gets excited about Judaism for five minutes. The Philistines come and say, that's our land. That means the Philistines means you order the other side of the world. The material side, the exciting side, the, the temptations, take him away. Take you away from Judaism. Don't get, don't get worried. Dig again. Or in this Jew or in another Jew. Mm-hmm. The second time you find water and you lose them, don't worry. Dig again. You never, never give up to digging. That's what the, the, that's what the secret of, the, of Chassidus and the Rebbe is all about. The Rebbe wanted people should dig if it's the, in the cold, in, Siberi, in the in Siberian cold, or in the heat of Be'er Sheva, like, like, like Isaac and Abraham. You dig and dig and dig until you find the water. 